0: All right, good morning again. Um, As Jeremy said earlier, my name is John. I didn't introduce myself earlier, but for those of you that are new, so glad that you're with us today. I'm the pastor here, and um, we've got a really great series that we've been doing called Don't Let Control You. And you can fill in the blank with just about anything there, but we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached, and letting Jesus fill that in. So we've done that over the last three weeks, and today we are going to finish up. The series today, Uh, we talked about not letting rules control you, okay, but letting the spirit control you. Some of you are like, "Well, I wasn't here for that, but I want to hear that one." So, (laughs) don't let rules control you. Uh, We talked about not letting recognition control you, but letting worship control you. And then last week was, "Don't let anxiety control you, but let faith control you." So, if you missed any of those, I'd encourage you to go check them out on the website. You can see the uh, the audio or the video. Of that. And today, what we're going to do, we've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount. Today, we're going to finish it up. Okay, so we're going to do Matthew chapter 7 today. And this is, of all of the things Jesus has said, this is the granddaddy. All right, this is, this is the whole point. Um, so, what Jesus is going to be doing is, uh, in, in pastor circles, we call this land in the plain. Okay. He's going to land the plane. I don't know if you've ever been on a flight before, but you don't, you don't pay a pilot to take off and you don't pay a pilot to fly the plane. You, play a, you pay a pilot to land the plane, right? That's the most important part of the flight. You want a good landing. And even if you have a smooth takeoff and you have a smooth flight through the air, you always judge the pilot based on what? The landing, right? As long as that was, how was the flight? It was a rough landing. I thought my life was in the hands of a stranger for a little while, and, and Jesus is going to land the plane, and uh, it's almost like a movie, you know, where the thing just twists at the end and everything changes. And um, we have the benefit as as we read through this sermon that Jesus preached of knowing the end before we start. You know what I mean? So, um, but the people, you think about the people that were listening to him, they didn't they didn't know. So. While he's teaching his way through the sermon, it feels like this random collection of things that he's talking about, but it's not. And what he does at some point is he, he lands the plane. He brings it all together. It's almost like a, a seam. I don't know if any of you are seamstresses or seam, seamsters. Would that be what you call a dude that sews so a seamster? I don't know. Probably not. But let's let's say that, you know, where you like— you or like shoelaces. Maybe this is a better analogy. It's like shoelaces, you know? You loop one over here, and you loop one over here. You loop one over here. You loop one over here, and it feels like you're going back and forth, back and forth. But at some point, you pull that thing tight, and it all comes together. That's what Jesus does at the end of the sermon. So we've had the opportunity to talk about this over the last few weeks, but um, the people who are listening, this is the section. This is where Jesus takes all of that that he's been talking about, and he tightens it all together and says, this is what this whole thing was about. This is what the whole thing was about, and that's what we're going to get today. And um, and I just want to tell you, I want to warn you ahead of time. Um, some of you, some of you might be here for the first time, and maybe maybe you've never been in church before in your entire life. Maybe you're not sure about the Bible, you don't know really anything about it, and you're here. And I'm not sure what what reason you came today. Someone invited you, or you just felt compelled to come, or I don't know why, but you're here. And what I want to encourage you to do, and this is true for everybody, but particularly if you're skeptical. I want to encourage you just to just open your mind and open your eyes today because what you're about to hear from the greatest sermon ever preached is one of the most, most important things that we could possibly hear as human beings. And what Jesus is going to teach here has the power to take your entire life and flip it on its head. And what on the surface he says here that may not seem right, when we hear it from him, all of a sudden we realize that it is right. We start to look at the world in a different way, and, and what I want you to know today, whether you're skeptical or whether maybe you've, you're a Christian but you've, you've wandered from the faith or, or, or maybe you're a faithful Christian, maybe you've never seen this before, heard this before, what we're going to talk about today has the power to radically transform your life, and I don't mean like you see on infomercials. Everybody, everybody claims to be able to change your life, but I, I gotta, I gotta tell you, none of it's gonna work. You know, the shake weight is not going to change your life. At least not for the better. You know, it's not going it's not. A seminar is not gonna change your life, not not overall. And and uh, yeah, that just, I promise you, that no, it's not gonna happen. But what Jesus is gonna teach here can. And what he teaches here, no matter how long you've been a Christian, it should continue to disturb us. It should continue to challenge us. It should continue to push us to be more and more like what he's about to talk about. And I I need to tell you personally that I had a really, really hard time with this message this week. It was, I I could not stay focused to write it. And every time I sat down, I would read a little bit and I would write a little bit. And then I would get distracted or I couldn't, couldn't get my mind trained in. And I realized late in the week, the reason is because I was personally being challenged by it. And I didn't want that somewhere, somewhere deep down inside. And I think that there were outside forces, there were evil forces that were trying to keep me from understanding it and learning it again for the millionth time. And uh, so what I believe is I believe this message is going to be very challenging to you. And my question to you is, are you willing to be challenged Are you willing to hear? Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to open your heart and your mind and to say, maybe, maybe something needs to change about a very sensitive situation that I'm in right now. So I just want to open that up. And so before we actually get into the scripture, I feel like this week we should pray. Okay, and just take a minute to pray. I'm going to ask God to open our hearts and minds. Just really let this sink in and get ready. All right, let's pray. Uh, God, we come to you, and um, what we're going to talk about today um, Jesus comes straight from your mouth. It comes from from your truth, from the truth. This is the word, God, this is your word. This is this, even though we may look at some things that we read, even though we may think about some situations we're in, it may cause stress or challenge to us, we know that this is right. This is true. And so, God, I ask that that you would open our hearts and open our minds and open our ears and anything we need to open up, anything any barrier that we need to get out of the way so that we can hear this from you. We need to hear it because this is the message. This can take our entire life and it can flip it on its head and we can begin the path to becoming the people you created us to be. But this is, this is the hardest thing to get. This is the hardest thing to realize. And so I ask that you work today. God, I pray for each person here that you would You would ease their minds and ease their hearts, um, that they would listen to you. Pray for everything that would happen today. Um, God, I uh, normally would pray for the saints today. I pray against them, uh, particularly Drew Brees and the wide receiving core. I ask that you would bind them and that the Panthers would win today. Relieve that tension in us so that we can focus on your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. (laughs) All right, here you go. Let's listen, that's a, that's a big prayer. I want you to know it's a big prayer because Drew Brees and Michael Thomas are on my fantasy team, okay? So I'm praying against them today. That's for your benefit. And uh, I do also want you to know God has a sense of humor. So he's, he's having a good laugh about it. He's, he's up there laughing and going, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but hey, you know, that's cute. Anyway, I'll lighten that up before we get into the scripture. But all right, like I said, so what we're going to do is we're going to read through here Matthew chapter seven. If you have your Bibles and uh, we are going to, It's going to feel disjointed. I want you to know that. It's going to feel like Jesus is jumping from topic to topic to topic to topic, and they don't make quite a lot of sense together. Um whenever I'm working with somebody on teaching or public speaking or, or, or preaching, which I love to do, um, I call these hard 90s. So, you know, you're someone's talking and they just go, whoop, then it's like totally different thing, a hard 90-degree turn. And Jesus has a bunch of hard 90s here, and normally I would critique him and be like, Jesus, you need to straighten that thing out, man. You know, one big idea. But he has a big idea. He's just jumping around it, and then he's going to pull it all together. Okay? So we're going we're we're to get, get to see that today. So let's go to um, Matthew chapter 7. And uh, let me get open here. I'll give you a second to get there. Oh, my marker was in it, so I beat you. Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, Matthew chapter 7, if you have your app, we're going to put it on the screen too. It is a lot of scripture. I like, and anytime we're reading a, a large portion of scripture, me personally, I just like to read it out of, the, out of the actual physical Bible. There's something you get to see around it. It gives you some space, you know, um, but we do have it on the screen and uh, on the version app too. So All right, chapter 7, here we go. So he's just talked about not being anxious, if you remember that from last week. Don't trust in the riches of the world, but trust in the riches of God. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. It's enough trouble of its own. And then he takes a hard 90, okay, in uh, chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that you not be judged. Now, that's one people love, right? (laughs) I mean, people pluck that one up out of the Bible all the time and use it for them. And they, you know, say things like, hey, man, I don't judge. I don't judge. You tell them something. Hey, I don't judge. It's not my job. I don't judge. Why are they saying that? They're saying it for the exact same, the exact reason Jesus says what he's about to say. He says, "For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you." <laughs> so the reason he said, "Judge not, that you not be judged," because what happens is when we judge other people, they judge us back, right? And the measure that we use to judge them is the measure they're going to use to judge us. So if we judge people with a teaspoon, they judge us with a teaspoon. And if we judge them with a five gallon bucket, they judge us with a five gallon bucket, right? So is he saying that we shouldn't judge people, that we shouldn't point out sin, that we shouldn't we shouldn't do that? We shouldn't do that. We should just say, man, I don't judge. No, it's no big deal. Do whatever you want, man. I don't judge. No, that's not what he's saying. He's going to explain that as we keep going. He said, "Why do you uh, see the speck that's in your brother's eye, and that could that could be a piece of sawdust?" Jesus, a carpenter, this analogy makes a lot of sense for him. All right, why do you see the the speck? that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye. Jesus being funny, by the way. I said, God has a sense of humor. Jesus does too. This is a joke. It's, you know, he's trying to get you to picture a guy with a two-by-four coming out of his face. We've talked about that before. All right. Uh, or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye. Then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So he's not saying we shouldn't judge. He's just saying that we need to be concerned with ourselves first, right? Let's take care of us first, and then we'll deal with we can help other people. So. but Then he takes a 90, verse 6. Do not give to dogs what's holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Like, what does that have to do with a log? What does a pig have to do with a log? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. You were just telling me not to judge. Now you're telling me not to throw things down in front of swine. I don't understand what you're talking about. And it feels like a hard 90. And Jesus is saying what he says many, many times in scripture. He says, Don't waste your time on people who aren't responsive. Don't waste your time on people who are rejected, who've already rejected the message. When he sent his Um, When he sent his disciples out on a missionary journey, he said, Go to a town, and if they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet and go. Like, if somebody's not interested, or if they're going to fight back, move on. And he's saying, Don't give the dogs what is holy. Don't cast your pearls in front of swine, lest they trample it and turn and attack you. But you're going, so that makes sense in and of itself. But what does it have to do with a speck and judgment in somebody's eye? (laughs) You know, what does it have to do with that? Feels like Jesus is jumping all over the place. He 90s again, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. And you're like, ask, seek, knock? What does this have to do with pigs? I don't understand what's happening here. Ask, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. And the, to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or, or which one of you, if his son asked for a bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? And you're like, okay, so if we ask God, He's a good Father and He's going he's gonna to give it to us. He's going to give what we ask for. But what does that have to do with everything else we've been talking about? It's, it's, it's good. It just doesn't make sense in the context of things. And then he says, verse 12, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also for them, for this is the law and the prophets. We call this the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's like, well, that's good. But what does it have to do with asking, seeking, and knocking? You know, it feels like Jesus is doing like a stutter stop on the end of his message. Like Like there's a few things he wanted to talk about but forgot to talk about, and so he's just kind of throwing them in here on the end and not landing the plane solidly. And it may seem that way, but that's not what Jesus is doing. All of these things work perfectly together in the greater scheme of what Jesus is saying throughout this entire message. And it begins to make sense. See, he spent chapters 5 and 6, which we talked about over the last few weeks, basically saying, we need to take our attention off of ourselves. We need to take our attention off of this world and trying to get wealth from this world and power from this world and, and significance from this world and get praise from this world and glory from this world. And we instead need to turn our attention to God and bring all glory to Him to get recognition from Him. right? To, that we need to take our eyes off of ourselves and we need to place our eyes on God and to place them on other people. And so as he lands the plane, he says, don't judge people. But worry about yourself. He's bringing this thing home, and he's saying, listen, I'm not telling you this stuff, all of this stuff that we've said in in chapter 5 and 6, so that you can go out and tell everybody else. I'm I'm telling you this so that you can go out and do this, so you can be this. And before you go and preach it to others, you need to practice it yourself. That's the log and the speck. Don't go judging other people because you You may not be ready for that kind of judgment, that kind of scrutiny yet, because what you need to do is you need to take everything Jesus has talked about, you need to stop worrying about everyone else and worry about yourself to begin with. And once you've worried about yourself, then you can take it to people. But don't worry if they reject you. Shake, shake the dust off your feet. If, 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 you do, if you do get the log out of your own eye and you go and you try to remove the speck from your brother's eye and he rejects you, well, don't give to dogs what's holy and don't cast your pearls before pigs. Just move on. And I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be hard. But if you ask, as you're changing, as you're growing, as your life is being flipped on its head, if you ask God for what you need, he's going to give it to you because he's a good father. So as you go through life, you take all this that I've told you out of, out of the chapter, chapter 5 and chapter 6, He said, you work on you. You don't worry about people who who fight against you. You just ask God and you continue to grow and you continue to help. Then you treat other people the way you'd want to be treated. He's encouraging them to take this message and to personalize it and not be concerned about the attacks and the challenges that are going to come. To take your eyes off of yourself and put your eyes on God so that you can become the person he's designed you to be. And here's what he's saying here and throughout the entire Sermon on the Mount. And I said this is the granddaddy, this is the one. Don't let pride control you. Don't let pride control you. And I don't mean like pride in your kid, like, like when I say I'm so, I'm so proud of my son. That's fine, that's a totally different thing. I mean, I mean pride in ourselves. And... And if you are joining us for the first time, and if you've never heard Jesus teach before, I can tell you that everything comes back to this. And it's the problem. Whatever trouble that you're facing right now in your life, it's the problem. It's the thing that's causing anxiety. It's the thing that's causing frustration. It's the thing that's causing depression. It's the thing that's causing confusion. It's the thing that's causing sin. It's the thing, it's the thing, it's the thing, and it's pride. And it always has been. Pride is at the root of the fault of the human condition. Pride is the reason that Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. Pride is the reason that dictators take over countries. Pride is the reason that people rise to celebrity and abuse power. Pride is the reason that people leave. Pride is the reason that people hurt us. Pride is is the reason that people steal. Pride is the reason that people cheat. It's the problem. It's the problem. It's the problem. And pride says, I am number one and everybody else is under me. Pride says, I deserve it. Pride says, I'm right and everybody else is wrong. Pride says, I'm more important than the person sitting next to me, and I'm more important than the person across the other side of the world. Pride is what takes us and elevates us out of a position we belong in. Pride is ultimately us saying, I deserve to be God. And it's the problem. It's always the problem. And Jesus warns. He warns us. It's not easy. To to understand that pride is the problem with me and pride is the problem with the world is a completely backwards way of thinking about the world. This is not what you will hear anywhere else. And he puts it this way. He warns us in in, um, verses 13 and 14. Let's read there. We're going to keep going. He says, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Pride is easy. Pride is natural. Pride is normal. Pride is the way everyone else thinks. And he says, easy is the way that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. Uh, it just, <laughs> it's a good principle for life. Most of the time when you agree with the many, you're wrong. <laughs> okay? the, the majority is usually wrong. he says, enter, many who entered are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard. It's hard to do what Jesus has said over the last two chapters is hard. Very. It is the hardest thing you will ever do. It's hard. But it leads to life. And those who find it are few. Listen, the, um, if you listen to everyone else preach, I don't mean in churches, I mean in the world, and you get preached to all the time, you know that, right? Uh, you listen to everyone else preach, and you get preached pride. You get preached pride over and over and over again. This is, to say this is a problem is, is backward thinking for most people. But he said the way to life, the way to freedom, the way to hope, the way to peace, the way to, the problem is you go to most people and you ask them, how do I find peace? They tell you, well, embrace pride. You need to elevate yourself. You need to take care of yourself. You, you, say, you say, well, how do I find happiness? How do I find?' They say you need to be successful. They say you need to rise to the top. You need to be in a position of influence. You need to have everybody's eyes on you. Well, how do I feel secure? you feel secure by, by making sure you have a lot of money in the bank. You, 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 you make sure that you've got a lot of wealth stored up. You make sure that you're secure that way. What, what happens is we get preached pride. We get preached pride. We get preached pride. And Jesus is saying, watch out for that. If it sounds easy, if it sounds wide, if it's the way everyone else is thinking and the way everyone else is going, it's probably the wrong way. And it leads to destruction. He said, watch out, look at this, verse 15, let's keep reading. He said, beware of false prophets. They'll come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. You ever heard that phrase, a wolf in sheep's clothing? This is is where it comes from. He said, "They, they act like your friend, but they're not. How will we know? How will we know who's a wolf and who's a sheep? You'll recognize them by their fruits. If the, if the fruit of what they teach is pride, if, if they themselves are prideful, or the people that they are teaching and leading are becoming more and more prideful, he said, you'll know. Are grapes gathered by thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad, bad fruit. healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit every tree that does not bear good fruits cut down and thrown into the fire he said you thus you will recognize them by their fruits and do you i hope i hope you realize or maybe today could begin to realize that we are preached pride every day if you turn on the tv you are preached pride on every channel that you turn to you turn on the news and you're preached pride I'm watching the last couple of days. I'm watching the president go back and forth with the NFL and the players, and let me tell you what I see there from both from both sides. Frankly, is a whole lot of pride, a whole lot of pride. Uh, you you turn on you turn on uh, well, let's go sports. You turn on sports. What do you preached? Pride, right? You preach pride when you turn on you turn on you turn on a sitcom, your favorite sitcom, you know. You turn on, you know, I don't know, what's Big Bang Theory or whatever, you know. You turn on, you know, episode of Seinfeld. You turn on Mike and Molly. You turn, on, I don't know, fill it in, whatever you watch. You turn, turn on. What do you preached? You preached pride all day long. You're like, well, let's turn off the TV. So you turn off the TV, and you open a magazine, and you open up Newsweek, and what do you preach? You preach pride. This is what the world teaches. It teaches you're number one. You need to raise your status. You need to be out ahead of everyone else. You need to be right. I'm right. And then conflicts come, and frustration comes, and all of this stuff comes. We go, why is everything going so poorly? It's because we preach pride all the time. And Jesus came to earth, and he said, I have a different message for you. And it's not pride. That's the problem. And it's not just blatant all the time either. Sometimes it's very, very subtle. Um, a few years ago, I was in between ministry roles and was thinking about planning a church at that time. I'm glad I didn't. would have been a mistake at the time. Uh, but I was listening to podcasts from this church planting organization. Um, they do a conference every single year, and um, three years in a row, they had three pastors get up and preach the exact same scripture on the exact same topic. And I thought, well, this would be interesting to hear three different perspectives on the same thing, and maybe that would be helpful. It was about, um, it was about um, ministry and marriage and you know, keeping your family together while you're building a church. And um, I thought, this is going to be helpful. This is going to be really good. And I listened to the first two, and they were good. They were, um, but I listened to the third one, and it was just better. I mean, I, don't, I didn't know how to describe it at the time. I just knew that when it was done, I was more encouraged. I felt more helped. I felt better at the end of that message than the other two. And I spent a lot of time analyzing that to try and figure out why one was better than the other two when it was the same scripture and the points were very similar too. And and finally, I put it together. Finally, I put it together. You see, the first two guys, they were young. They were like, you know, about 30, you know. And um, the second guy, he was, uh, I think he was in his mid-60s. He he joked when he started that he was probably the oldest person in the room. Um, in a sea of plaid, he was wearing khaki pants um, and a polo shirt tucked in. But, uh, and I think that had something to do with it. But, and maybe this what I realized was a function of their ages, but what I realized or what it felt like to me was that the first two guys were on stage really trying to impress everybody while the third guy had nobody to impress. He just wanted to help. And there's a difference there's a difference, even subtly, even in something like that, between saying, I'm going to approach this from a prideful mentality, or I'm not. It's interesting what Jesus says next. This is, this is a tough pill to swallow, but in verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. And I do want to be clear here. We're, he's not talking about salvation. This is a different time. If you, if you want to understand exactly what he's saying here, you can go listen to our message during the, um, the summer school series called The Kingdom, so you understand the difference between the kingdom and heaven. But um, he says, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He said, on that day, and this is verse 22, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not uh, cast out demons and do many mighty works in your name? And then I'll declare to them, "I never knew you." Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Like they're going to come to God and they're going to say, "God, but didn't I do amazing things for you? Didn't 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 I heal people and didn't I prophesy and didn't I teach and didn't I encourage and didn't I do all those things?" And and God is going to look at them and He's going to say, "You did all of those things, and everybody else knew you, but I didn't." Because those things were not done with humility, they were done with pride. And that is what Jesus, with this entire message, is trying to get through to people. And he's got such a wide, he's got a wide audience in front of him. And he's got religious leaders that are standing there who think that they put themselves on a pedestal and think that they're number one and think that everybody else should serve them and think that they're right and think that everybody else is wrong. And he's challenging them and saying, don't let pride control you. There's something better. Don't let pride control you. Let humility control you. And now this seems backwards. I know if, you, if you're not familiar with Jesus or familiar with the Bible, this may sound very backwards to you, but it's the truth. And that the path, the narrow, hard path to real life is found through humility, not through pride. And you may not, you may not even even mentally agree with that, but I bet if you think about your life, you think about actual experience, you will agree. If you've seen somebody go through, um, if you've seen somebody go through a uh, grieving period, they lost somebody, and sometimes when people go through grieving periods, they just focus on themselves, on themselves, on themselves. Right? There's, there's a healthy way to grieve, but they, they they they're looking for pity, they look for attention, they look for um, uh, uh, they complain. Uh, compared to somebody you see who goes through a grieving process and their attention turns outward to other people and how they can help and how they can support other people. And they they have this sense of peace and they have this sense of joy and they have this, and and you wonder, you look at them and you say, well, what's the difference between those two people? Why is one person one way and the other person the other way? And the answer is pride versus humility. Have you ever seen someone... uh, get a get a promotion at work. And when they get the promotion at work, they like blast it out on Facebook and every time you talk to them they bring it up and they they're talking about the benefits that they got and how much money they're making now and and all this and you're just you're you're just turned off by that behavior versus when somebody gets a promotion and they're very they're very very humble about it and um, other people bring it up to them, and you, you look at them and you just think there's something different between these two people. What is the difference between these two people? The answer is, the difference is pride versus humility. It makes a tangible, functional difference in everything in life that you face. It makes a difference when disappointments come. It makes a difference when there are layoffs at work it makes a difference when people are attacking you and how you respond to them i uh we had a, a difficult situation in our our family this past week and i won't go into great detail um but uh we had we had somebody in our family OD this past week and um there's a family involved and it was very very difficult and I, and honestly my first reaction to it was anger <laughs> like if had I, had, had I not had some sort of restraint, I would have gotten in a car and driven and punched somebody in the throat, okay? <laughs> you know, because of the ramifications of what happened. And I realized that as I'm getting ready to share this with you and as God is speaking to me throughout the week, that that would be a prideful reaction. That that would be me putting myself on a pedestal and saying, how dare you do this? Because I never would. And it's like it's like the words of Jesus just cut through to me in that moment. And I realized what I need to do is I need to look at this situation and I need to think, he is a human being like me. And he didn't jump into this maliciously. He was sucked into it by sin and pride and but for the grace of god go i it could just eas- just as easily be me as it is him and for me to say that i am above it and that, that somehow it couldn't possibly be me is arrogant and it's prideful and what i need to do instead is i need to take the words of jesus where he says, do for others what you would have them do for you. And I need to say, I need to take myself and I need to place myself in his shoes, in his seat, in his hospital bed right now. And I need to say, if I am him, what do I want John to do for me? And that's what I need to do. And that is the path of humility versus the path of pride. And this is what God has designed for us. Do unto others as you would have them do unto do. Sounds to you, sounds an awful lot like love your neighbor as yourself. It's in fact the same thing. And Jesus said, all the law and the prophets hang on these two things. And I don't know. I, I know that across this room, that there, there are so many situations. There's so many things that you're struggling with and, and, and conflicts that you're facing, and even when we see news and things come from the outside and we walk through those things, we have to decide whether our reactions have been and will be prideful or whether they will be humble. If, if I could take all of Jesus' life and reduce it to a word, now other people may choose other words, but I would choose the word humility. I think it's the word. The, the great passage in Philippians chapter 2 says that Jesus Christ did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, even though he deserved it, but humbled himself, taking on the form of a man, and he humbled himself, Jesus Christ humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. For you and for me. And if He would do that for us, then real life is found through us doing that for others. And it matters. Jesus finishes the sermon this way. He finishes with a story Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 29. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them he says, if you'll get this, if you'll listen to this, if you'll make this your life to flip your world upside down. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house. They beat against both houses, right? And it fell. And great was the fall of it. Have you ever heard the phrase, pride comes before a fall? We when we live prideful lives, we are unstable. But this is what everyone preaches us. And it's not right. If you want life, if you want freedom, if you want joy, and if you want peace, you have to choose humility. And it's it's the narrow path, but it's the right path, and everybody knew it. When Jesus said it, everybody knew it. This is one of my favorite verses or passages. two verses in the whole Bible, verses 28 and 29. When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. See, the scribes were just regurgitating what everyone else was saying. It was the popular opinion. Jesus brought something different, and everyone was astonished. Now, that's a generic word. (laughs) Some people were wowed. Some were amazed. Some were angered and frustrated and infuriated, and there were all kinds of reactions, but they were all astonished because they heard Jesus teach, and they said, this is not something we've heard before. This is different. This is new. And when it hits your ears, it rings true. And I think about my life and I think about the decisions that I've made in the past and the situations that I've been made in the past. And I regret how many times I've built a shaky house on a shoddy foundation. How many times I've made prideful choices that have caused conflict, that have caused difficulty for myself, for my family. And I look at my life and I want to challenge you to look at your life and to say, going forward from this day forward, I want to choose humility, and maybe there's a specific situation you need to think of. Maybe you're going through a custody battle right now. Maybe, maybe you're in a conflict with your family right now because your your children aren't listening to you, or maybe you're frustrated with your parents, or or maybe you you just cannot stand your work environment, or maybe you look at things that are happening in our world and our culture, and you're infuriated by them. And I want you to think about that specific thing, that one thing that rises to the top for you, and say, how am I going to choose humility instead of choosing? pride. For some of you, the greatest conflict that you have in your life may be your conflict between God and yourself, that you feel disconnected from him, that you feel like he's judging you, that you fear him. And the the first step, the thing that we need to do in order to receive salvation from Jesus is to take a position of humility. And to finally admit, maybe for the first time for you, to say, I'm not God. And I've been wrong. And I need Christ to forgive me. And that's your that's your step. So choose humility between you and God. But maybe it's somewhere else. Maybe it's with your child. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with your coworker. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. You know what it is. But to say, I need to look at this and I need to choose humility. And so what I want to do is I want to pray. I want to pray for you. Pray for me. Uh, that we would receive this message from Jesus Christ as we finish this series. God, we uh, thank you for your love. you said it already today, but you created us and you didn't have to. You love us and you don't have to. You saved us and you certainly didn't have to do that, but you you loved us enough. Looking on people who were rebellious, people, people who lived for themselves, people who attempt Attempt to put ourselves in a position we don't belong in, in your seat, in your place. I ask God, I ask God that you would forgive us. You, you looked on us with love and compassion, with grace and mercy. You, you, your word says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even in the middle of our rebellion, even in the middle of our pride, when we had turned our back on you, you sent your son Jesus Christ to die for us. We all find ourselves in that same condition, the condition of pride, the condition of sin. And at any time in our life, we can turn to you in faith, in humility, and say, God, I need you, and Jesus Christ, I need your forgiveness on the cross. I pray, God, that someone would choose that today. Say, Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness on the cross. Forgive me. And believe in the power of God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That he raised, the, he raised back to life. God, as we walk through life, we continue to battle sin. Which means we continue to battle pride. And so we're, we're constantly having to assess our reactions to situation. And our actions in circumstances. And to say, is this prideful or is this humble? And, and I think one of the things we need most from you, God, is, is, is perspective through your spirit to see. Which is it? God, I pray for perspective for each person who's here that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would show them in that situation. I imagine there's probably one that's rising to the top in front of all of us right now. There's one thing we're thinking about, one relationship, one decision. And what we're we're analyzing right now and saying, has my reaction been? Is my reaction going to be prideful or humble? And God, I pray that through the power of your spirit, you would show us what we're not able to see ourselves, and that we would we would see that as it is. So we would know exactly how we need to respond, how we need to change, how we need to take ourselves off the judgment seat, but into a helping position. That we would choose humility. Over pride, and we need you to do that. It's a narrow path and it's hard, but you've given us the power to take it. And we believe that as we make these choices, we believe that as we choose humility over pride, that we choose righteousness over sin, that as we choose following you over elevating ourselves, that 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 is the path to peace. And so as we bring our requests, as we worship you, as we thank you, as we celebrate you, as we honor you, as we glorify you above ourselves, I ask God that you give us all of those things. Ask, as we ask, as we seek, as we knock. If we ask for bread, you will not give us a stone. And if we ask for peace, and if we ask for joy, I believe those things will come as we choose humility over pride, as we follow Jesus more closely and more closely and more closely. Fill us with all of those things. It's in your name we pray. Amen.